You're listening to the ESPN Radio 94.1 podcast page, accelerated by Sports Innovation X. Six is bridging the gap between tech, athletes, and teams. Check them out at sportsinnovationx.com. Live from Hampton Roads in the heart of the 757, it's the Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto, Sports Radio 94.1. Charles Barkley is the voice of the people. He doesn't mince words. He says what he feels. He is refreshingly honest. These are all things that people say about Charles Barkley. He's hilarious. He's the round mound of rebound. He needs to make up with Michael Jordan. Feels like they, they've been feuding long enough. Right? All of That's these... <laughs> It is terrible that you guys aren't buddies. Uh, And he, like many, wants the NBA players that are paid a ton of money to play in every game. He doesn't want them taking days off, doesn't want them resting, doesn't want load being managed. For the record, I want guys to play in every game too. Right, I think I think we all do. Right, I I do not want somebody to buy a ticket expecting to see their favorite player only to show up and have them walk in in uh, like four hundred dollars worth of of sweater and and khakis. Like I no, probably four hundred is probably not, four thousand dollars worth of sweater and khakis. Like I want every player to play as often as they possibly can. I want to say this, like Charles Barkley said on first take. I mean, listen, it ain't like we should working in a steel mill, brother. I mean, if people working in a steel mill every day, I'm pretty sure they're tired too. Yeah. But they go to work every day. Uh, so, yeah, I think load management is a big deal. I think Adam is going to have to say, yo, man, I don't know. And, and listen, and I don't know the right or wrong answer, Stephen A. Yeah. Because I heard Steve Kerr said go down in games. Pretty 72. nice of him to take money out of all these players' pockets. Hey, I listen, when some of these lesser players who don't make all that money says, yeah, take uh, take twelve of my game checks. And I'm like, no, no, no. I want them eighty-two games back quickly. Right. I agree. It's not like NBA players are working in the steel mill, but you can't let your your logic get twisted into a pretzel, right? I, I we'll start with the steel mill reference. I would assume if those workers in a very tough manual labor job like a steel mill or a coal mine or anything like that had the ability to take off long portions of time, they would, right? They're working because they have to. And that's how most of us do our jobs, right? It's because, you know, rent is coming due, food costs money, you know, there are bills to pay. But if you could pay the bills without doing the very hard, very difficult, very unfun work, you probably would consider it. But it gets more and more convoluted than that, all right? Because you want them to play. I want them to play. I'm guessing, Robbie, you want you want the NBA players to play, right? Of course. Charles Barkley wants them to play, the voice of the people. Let's hear more of his logic. In this next TV negotiating deal, we're going to have guys making $70, $80 million a year. And they're going to be saying, wait a minute. You're going to make $70 million and you can't play basketball three or four days a week? With all the stuff, I mean, they fly private. They got the best medical stuff ever created. And I says, you can't disrespect the fans making $70, $80 million and say, you know what, I can't play basketball four days a week. 
this is where the logic gets convoluted. Why do they need days off? They have the best medical stuff ever created. Right? They have the best medical personnel on the planet. They have the most research. Don't you think those medical individuals were consulted when they decided to sit out games? You're right. They do have the best medical stuff on uh, of all time. That medical stuff is telling them you get injured a lot less if you take a day off every now and then. Right, the, the, the medical research that you're talking about that you're saying that's why they should always play is the exact stuff that's saying they should not always play. Like it, It's big business now. Also, yeah, it, like with the next CBA, the next TV deal, I mean, I'm sure Barkley's well-connected. I'm sure he like the $70 million wasn't something that he pulled out of thin air. There's going to be players making $70 million a year. I'll give you a minute to let that soak in. But then the logic of you're paid all this money, you should play every game. Again, that's reverse because teams are paying them $70 million a year. You know what they're thinking? We're paying you all this money. We didn't need to make sure you stay effective and healthy throughout the length of the contract. We're not going to wear all the tread off your tires in the first year playing every game for 45 minutes. The funny part is everyone's like, you're making all this money. You need to play every game. Well, guess what? If they were all making small amounts of money on one-year contracts, the teams would pressure them to play every game. But the opposite is true. You're making all this money and you're on a long-term deal. You better be ready to play next year and the year after and the year after. And if that means sitting out the second half of a back-to-back or sitting out a Tuesday when you're playing Milwaukee, not on national television, we're going to tell you to do that. And if that means, oh, the one fan had a ruined night, well, that's better than everyone having a ruined night two years from now when you stink. If the NBA can somehow make a rule that prevents load management from being a thing, I don't know what that would be because all you'd be doing is encouraging them to lie. Right? You, they would go from did not play coach's decision to did not play sore hamstring. So, so if you can somehow, like maybe, maybe when mind reading becomes a thing, you can, you can uh, uh, like lie detector test them or something. I think the best way to handle it is to somehow put a, a time ahead, right? You have to notify the league of load management absences like three, three days before the game or something like that. And, and set up some kind of marketplace where you can trade these tickets for tickets to a future game. But other than that, I don't think there's anything you can do. There, there is a lot of logic that explains why guys sitting out makes sense, but no one wants to hear it. And you take the same information and say, that's why guys shouldn't sit out. And I'm going, no, that is, that's what you want to be true. You're making a lot of money. You should play every game. You're making a lot of money. That's why they won't let you play every game. You have the best medical staff on the planet. You should be able to play every game. That best medical staff on the planet is who they're consulting and saying they should not play every game. There are people in much more difficult and much more blue-collar jobs out there that never miss a day. If those blue-collar workers were in a situation where they could take a day off, they, they likely would. It's, it's a very, very difficult situation. I get it. 
And like I said, we all want them to play. We all want to show up. I've mentioned a few times, I've been to NBA games where you know I tell everybody, I'm going to get to see this player. I'm really excited to see him in person. I really want to see if the hype is real. Show up and they walk in in street clothes. And it's like, hmm, bummer. And in the NBA, it is a star league, right? It's it's not like you get as jacked up to watch, you know, the third leading scorer kind of have his day. You want to see the first leading scorer on the team. It's a stars league, but it's 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 not that easy. I do wonder what fans would be more kind of apt to hear. Would they be okay with saying, "Hey, your favorite player has a tweaked his back or has a sore hamstring," like the example you used, or? Hey, we're load managing him today. I mean, if the fans want to want an excuse, again, like you said, you're forcing the team to lie to you, and that would make it better because you you can't take an MRI and say, oh, your back sore or your back hurts on a certain day. That just it's not how it works. Well, I I take it one step further. I shouldn't have used the word lie. It's like I played college football. I tore my hamstring in high school. Every week, my hamstring was sore. Right? It was just something that I dealt with. It was a chronic pain. I could have easily said my hamstring is sore and I'm going to sit out this game. And and it, that's not even a lie. Now, could I have played through it? Yes, I did. I, I didn't miss a single game in college. But I could have at any point in time said, hey, my, my hamstring is sore. And you could you could lie detector test me, right? You you could you could look into my brain and you'd be like, is your hamstring sore? My brain would be like, yeah. When, absolutely. From the 724, you see that text, Robbie? Go ahead and read that one. From the 724, if they're not injured, they should at least play 10 minutes in every game or be fined game checks by the NBA. The, the, the funny part is the game minutes, I don't even think matters. It's if you're getting ready to play. An off day is you're not warming up. An off day is you're not you know uh, getting the blood flowing at all. Like If you go out onto the, the, the field or the, the court on a game day, You've already put in a lot of work, right? It, it especially if you're an older player, you you've got to you know there's hours of pregame prep. An off day is an off day, right? An off day is stay off your feet, sit down, get recovery, right? Get in the 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 ice tub, get in the hot tub, uh, get stem, right? The 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 electric shocks that go through like it's all about recovery. If you're playing ten minutes, you might as well play thirty. That extra twenty minutes. Makes you a little bit more tired, but but the bulk of it is already done. So it's it's like you need an off day, right? You're sitting in the bleachers watching the team warm up because you need to actually recover and get better. They play 82 of them things every single regular season. An off day is not like, hey, I'll play you a few less minutes. An off day is you you are off. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. That's we just got the text that has the the real thing nobody in the NBA wants to talk about. Play a shorter season. Ain't nobody gonna do that. That means less money. That means less games on TV. That means less tickets sold. More likely though, you can you can reverse engineer it. Play the same number of games over like a month longer season, but then they're giving up their offseason. Players won't want to do that. But then you have time in between games. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. Uh, we're going to try to hook up with our guy, Jason Fitz, the host of Fitz and Harry, weekdays 12 to 3, right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1. That's coming up next. There are three sides to every story. He chooses the one. 
that makes him laugh. The Tim Donnelly Show on Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Connecting with us now on the phone lines, the host of Fitz and Harry, one of them, which you can hear every weekday from noon to three right here on 94.1. It is Jason Fitz. Follow him on Twitter at Jason Fitz. Uh, Jason, thank you very much for for taking the time. Uh, combine getting started up. Uh, what are you most looking forward to, or who are you most looking forward to seeing at the combine? I mean, crazy enough, I'm most looking forward to seeing what the weight of Bryce Young looks like. <laughs> and, you know, I, I feel weird saying that, but Mel Kiper said today, and it still sort of shakes me. He said if he comes in at 195, he's the top pick in the draft. If he's under 195, he's not. And you know, the craziest thing to him is like. You either know this or you don't, like, from every single team. Right now, you should already know, are you comfortable with his size? But I've I've had people around that program tell me he was as light as 165 last year while he was playing. He still got creamed by SEC defensive linemen and still got up, so I don't know. But, man, his I think his weight, not his height, but his weight is going to be the biggest story of this combine. Does it, it change things? Because he's not going to work out at the Combine. He's already said that. Some of the other quarterbacks will. If he weighs in at like 202 at the Combine and then doesn't weigh in but works out at Alabama, can we just assume that he kind of got fat for like a couple weeks and he, and he works it off in time for, for the 40 and everything else? Yes and yes. And I think that's one of the interesting things. If you look back um, you know, last year, Jordan Davis, uh, when he ran the 40 time that made everybody absolutely freak out, what people forgot in that moment is he lost 40 pounds between the national championship game <laughs> and when he lost when he ran the 40, which made his 40 time much, much better. Now, that's just where we are as a society. If he, if he weighs in, my sneaking suspicion on Bryce is that he's going to have to weigh in every time he's talking to every mm. single team to show that he can sustain this. But it, it's easier said than done. Like, people laugh at that concept, but Mike Golick Jr. is still a really close friend of mine. One of the things that Gojo talked about is that it was a hindrance to him that he just couldn't put on enough weight to be a good offensive lineman, no matter how much he ate. So he was working with trainers. He was eating McDonald's four times a day and he still couldn't get big enough. Like Bryce is working with trainers. He's working with dietitians. I just don't know of his frame, you know, like field told me a couple of days ago that he stood next to him at the Super Bowl, and field Yates comment was I'm a little bigger than Bryce is. And <laughs> I don't know how comfortable teams are with field Yates being a quarterback. Jason Fitz, host of Fitz and Harry weekdays, 12 to 3, right here, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. If he does weigh in enough, right, whatever that number is for, for most NFL teams, if, he, if he's heavier than expected, when it all shakes out, are the Bears going to get uh, all the picks, all the young players, like, a, like an ownership deed to some waterfront property and, 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 and everything else for that number one pick? Yeah, they're going to get a haul. And that's part of the reason they're going to get a haul is that you know, can, competitive market is what it is. Now, uh, every team may have a different favorite quarterback, but nobody knows what Houston's going to do it too. I've had a couple insiders tell me that Houston doesn't love any of these quarterbacks. But if you're Carolina, if you're Indianapolis, if you're the Raiders, uh, if you're a team that needs a quarterback right now, you're, you're looking at it and saying, the one thing I can't do is risk it where I don't offer enough and I get the second best guy in this class if I'm in love with one of them far and above everybody else. So, I think I think the haul for the Bears is going to be pretty substantial. I'm stunned still to hear so many people say that that haul could be paid for an Anthony Richardson or a Will Levis. I don't. That makes no sense to me. Like I cover college football. I've watched more <laughs> SEC than I think 90% of the world. You cannot watch these games head to head and tell me that we haven't seen more greatness from. Bryce. I understand 
what people say about the possible ceiling for Anthony Richardson, but man, that's asking a lot of things to go right. Frankly, I wouldn't make it that complicated, but I think, yeah, the Bears are going to be in line where they're going to get a, they'll get this year's first rounder plus I think at least two more just to move up. Uh, I want to come back to Anthony Richardson, but first, kind of uh, other than the insiders that you speak to being extremely good at their job, how in the world does Houston let it get out that they're not in love with any of the quarterbacks when so much of the value of that pick is is that you can take a quarterback at number two and just everyone believing that they would take a quarterback raises the value of it? Yeah, I think part of the plan for Houston, though, is uh, they wanted to make it clear that they're willing to be in the market. I, I had one insider tell me right away that, that they wanted to talk to Derek Carr, uh, you know, and that just speaks to what they think of this year's quarterback class, right? So I think Houston is in a really interesting situation because for all of this conversation about quarterbacks, to me, and, and it's not even close, like Jalen Carter is the best prospect in this draft. And, and he is the guy that, you know, if, if my favorite team got Jalen Carter, I'd be doing cartwheels. I go buy the jersey that day, spend all the money on it. Jalen Carter, to me, is the best prospect in this draft. If Houston doesn't like any of these quarterbacks, I don't think it's the worst thing when you have a terrible roster top to bottom to stay right where you are and just simply take the best player on the board. And we overcomplicate that, too, and I'm not sure that Houston should. So, you know, frankly, I'd be stunned to see Houston move. But I would not be stunned at all as somebody that this would be my seventh year covering the draft for ESPN. I, I would not be stunned to see quarterbacks go one through four. And I know that sounds crazy to everybody, but their teams are so desperate this year, I wouldn't be surprised to see it. That voice here is Jason Fitz, host of Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Uh, I want to go back to the, the Anthony Richardson deal. Everyone can understand the ceiling, right? The 6'4", 230, laser rocket arm, runs like the wind, all those sorts of things. Do, do you have any clue how likely it is that he reaches the ceiling? Like, is it 1%? Is it over 50%? How much of a risk is this guy to actually achieve that tantalizing top potential that I keep hearing about? Yeah, this is uh, this is when you can't pay your mortgage, and so you just go buy a lottery ticket and hope. I mean that that's because uh, for every every good play, and, and not even good play, for every oh my god, how did he just make that play play that we'll see on the highlight reel? I can pull three where he put the ball in the dirt five yards away from a wide open wide receiver. So like you've got to ask yourself for Anthony Richardson, is he going to go somewhere that will have the patience to develop him the way he needs to be developed? That isn't going to listen to any of the outside noise that's going to put continuity around him because that's what the Bills did to get the best out of Josh Allen, right? Like most franchises are not waiting through what the Bills waited through eagerly for Josh Allen. Even if you want to take Jalen Hurts as the other portion of this is somebody that truly improved his accuracy. Yes, he worked really hard and he got better. And they also gave him a ton of amazing weapons on the outside, right? Like, so using that outlier and the number of college football guys that have sent me the same basic concept on text in the last two weeks. Josh Allen is going to get more NFL executives fired in the next decade <laughs> than any one player in the history of the NFL because everybody thinks they've got the next Josh Allen. But you have a much better – you already have a low success rate drafting in the uh, drafting a quarterback in the first round as it is. If you start adding in the I'm just going to draft for traits, that's a very NBA approach. And there's a reason why so many guys drafted in the NBA don't turn out to make it in the league. I, I just – it, to me, it's maddening because it presumes that the same offensive coordinator, quarterback coach, and, and uh, head coach are going to be in that same spot for the three to four years it's going to take to get the best out of that guy. And that's a heavy presumption. 
Jason Fitz, Fitz and Harry connecting with us here. Jason, before we let you go, uh, I, I always appreciate these little these little talks we have on Tuesday. Uh, but right after we play a game called Winners and Losers, we try to sit out who's or sort out who's who's winning, who's losing in the sports world. I know you're deep into the XFL coverage. Through two weeks, who's the big winner of the XFL? Oh, that's a really good question. I think I'm going to take right now Houston is probably the best team in the XFL simply because Wade Phillips is he's playing chess while everybody else is playing checkers. The biggest weakness of the XFL is offensive line play in the second half. Like guys just they don't have enough depth and they don't have enough good offensive linemen. So if you've got the best defensive mind on the field when it comes to generating pressure and Houston has 12 sacks through two weeks, I think you've got the best team. I, I think Houston right now is in the best the, the best spot to win it all. Jason, we appreciate it. We'll uh, we'll check back in again soon. Appreciate you, Tim. Thanks. Once again, Jason Fitz from Fitz and Harry, uh, ESPN Radio, and of course right here on Priority Auto Sports Radio, 94.1 at noon every weekday. Uh, you heard me say it there at the end of the, the, the conversation with, with Fitz. It's time for winners and losers. Send in your winners, send in your losers to the text line right now. 757-687-687. 9494. Who's winning and who's losing in the sports world? 757 687 9494. Winners and losers coming up next. On this show, we like to point out the good. That's good. The bad. Oh, that's bad. And the ugly. I'm certainly grateful to be ugly. It's time to pick the winners and losers. Winners win and losers lose. On the Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Winners and losers. Every Tuesday here on the Tim Donnelly Show, uh, we need your help as always. We see them coming in on the text line, but we want to hear from more of you. Who's the biggest winner and who's the biggest loser in sports right now? 757-687-9494. That's 757-687-9494 for the Dream Lawns text line. I'll get it started. Loser, Dan Snyder. You're such a loser. How can you be anything but, right? But I'm going to throw this out there as well. Winner, whoever Dan Snyder paid to put the commander's logo on his private jet. Winning. Now, that was all part of the the uh, report we're going to talk about later, but there's an allegation that was in an ESPN article that Dan Snyder was using the team as his personal piggy bank. That's the word they use, including taking $4.5 million and spending it on putting the logo of the team on his private jet. Now, I don't mix. I don't I don't roam in many circles that know about customizing private jets. But it feels like if you're charging $4.5 million to, to put a logo on anything, you're walking away with a little bit of a ridiculous profit. So winner to whoever got the $4.5 million to, to put a sticker on a plane. Tim, I, I, I could say the obvious loser being the Lakers. I'm not going to go that route. Well, our, our Darvin Ham is the loser. Okay, I was going to say our, t- our texters are not worried about uh, – piling on the Lakers. They're not, feeling not free. Not at all. Darvin Ham's the loser because honestly, Tim, I don't see there there's a reason for him after this season. I don't I don't think there's any reason for him to uh continue being the Lakers head coach after this year. There's gonna they're gonna find some reason to get rid of him and unfortunately he's just a loser. Sorry. It all comes down to whoever the star is and if they like him or not. That's that's how the NBA works. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get these out of the way. On the text line from the 757, loser, Lakers. Loser. Really thought they, uh, their new look may have made the playoffs. Yeah. 
Also, from Tim in Newport News on the text line, the Lakers. Loser. You're a loser! The Lakers. That's what I tried to say. I got caught up. A little emotional. Uh, Tim in Newport News reasoning. About to go two seasons in a row missing the playoffs. Wait. Did you hear that? It's everybody that, that goes nuts about Michael Jordan versus LeBron James going, Michael Jordan would never! Yeah, but also... He would have retired three or four times by now. Uh, I'm, by the way, I'm Team Michael Jordan in that argument, so I don't need I don't need the the people on the text line. Other than oh, it's coming to other than the people in the text line uh, that want to say who their winner and loser is seven five seven six eight seven nine four nine four. I'll give you another one of mine. Uh, loser Shohei Otani. Loser. I didn't realize how slow of a pitcher Shohei Otani is. Uh, in a ton of different situations, runners on base from the stretch, early count. He is the slowest pitcher in baseball, and with the pitch clock, he's not going to have that ability anymore. So I'm throwing a side loser. Side loser, MLB fans. Loser. Who out there wants a quicker and or less Shohei Otani pitching outings? If he if he he gets tired because he doesn't get days off. He plays all the time. He pitches. He hits. He plays the field. He's a DH. He does everything, and... I think that's why he pitches slowly. And he's also not going to be able to have as much time to adapt to it because he's playing the World Baseball Classic. There you go. It's, it's, I, I actually, uh, it was brought to my attention uh, yesterday that in un, unforeseen cir- consequence of the pitch clock might be slightly longer games. Ready for this? Because when a pitcher, like a starter, is going out there for the 6th, 7th, 8th inning and they're grinding, sometimes they need an extra couple seconds between between batters. But then you have someone like Max Scherzer who just gets up and goes. Exactly. Scherzer is, he's an alien. Like he's, I don't know if you can just say like, everybody pitched like Scherzer. But, uh, but because of that, they're not going to be able to like grind out those last two innings. So there's going to be more pitching changes. So it's like, fine. You want to you want to make me pitch in twenty seconds? Guess what? We're gonna change pitchers between the next six batters because, or I know that's not allowed either. But uh, we're gonna change six more pitchers before the end of this game. So uh, I don't know. They could. I don't know if this is all gonna go the way they thought it was gonna go. Um, give us one, Robbie. I've got a winner. How about the New York Knicks? Winner, winner, chicken dinner. They've won like five or six in a row. <laughs> a big win against the Celtics last night. I mean, they're just trending in the right direction. They're probably gonna make the playoffs. And I think they're, they are a team, they don't have a superstar, so I don't know how far they can get, but their confidence is getting better, and especially with the Nets kind of going downward, the Knicks are on the rise. Uh, Brunson. Brunson's big deal. Brunson looks, looks legit. Uh, from the 757, KD is a loser. Loser! Joining another super team to get a title instead of carrying a team to a title. I, that texter is from the seven five seven. I think it's Giannis. I think I think that's that, that is that Giannis texting. In, does Giannis have a seven five seven number? I, I I believe it. I can't say for certain, but it sounds like something he would say. I would imagine he has to have more than just one phone number, right? So he got a seven five seven area code. That would that would be the burner. Exactly. Yep. What, what's the the irony of someone using a burner against Kevin Durant? Now it's like it's the NBA full circle moment. Um, speaking of the NBA winner, Damian Lillard. 
He scored 71 points in a single game. I refuse to let that <laughs> be like a 24-hour news cycle. It is Tuesday. I'm still talking about it. I might talk about it on Thursday. He scored 71 points That's in an okay. NBA game. It happened on Sunday. That's 71 points. 13 threes. Franchise record. Eighth person in NBA history to score 70. I said all this yesterday. I'm going to say it again. That's, I mean, 71. It is his career high as well. Tim, I got a winner. College basketball fans. Winner. March Madness is starting, Tim. Conference tournaments are, are about to get underway if they're not underway already. We heard of all those buzzer beaters this weekend. This is the magical time of year where things just, you never know what you're getting into when you go into a conference tournament, when you go into the NCAA tournament. It's an exciting time for just basketball fans in general. From the 724, this mixes the last two conversations, or two of the conversations we've had this hour. Losers, kids whose parents can only afford to take them to one game a year to see their favorite player not play. Le who, the her. Those kids aren't losers. I know what you're trying to do. You're trying to guilt the NBA into playing their players, but what you didn't realize you did is you just called kids losers. Loser, loser. Not nice. Those kids are the future of our our society. No, but I, I do like again. I, I I think that is something that it in a perfect world was would be fixed, right? Every kid that shows up to a game would get to see all of the stars play, and there would be no load management. I just don't think it's that easy. I don't think it's like say it and it gets done. There's too much logic saying the other thing's going to continue happening. Tim Donnelly show Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. That's winners and losers. You can keep the winners and losers coming on the text line if you see fit, 757-687-9494. The NFL is considering rule changes. This is a time of year where they try to make the NFL better. Are they going to get it right this time? Coming up. The only show that can take a lesson from Happy Gilmore and apply it to NFL off-season strategy. Tap it in. Give it a little tappy. Tap, tap, tap a rule. The Tim Donnelly Show. On Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Every year, about this time of year, the NFL's power brokers, the committees, the movers and the shakers get together and decide how they can make the game better. They rarely get it completely correct. A lot of times they don't even come close. Uh, but they are reportedly together. The the, the competition committees uh, are, are together, and they are seeing and hearing the proposals from teams for new rules, including one that I think would get kind of a hundred percent approval rating. Right, like like every once in a while, someone will just come out and be like, you know, uh, it, it actually it could be this is exactly what it could be. You ever been to a concert and they just walk out and just scream the city that they're in because they know that that's going to be as close to 100% approval rating as possible? Make some noise if you're you're in the 757 and everyone's like, yeah. If they ever get the city wrong, that's not good. But as long as they 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 know where they are, they're good. The NFL could come out and say, we are making roughing the passer reviewable. And that's as cheap of an applause as you will ever get. It is a guaranteed yay because everyone wants to see that 
particular rule handled correctly. Judy Batista of NFL, uh, the NFL Network was on NFL Now, and uh, she was talking about roughing the passer becoming reviewable. The competition committee did talk about that during yesterday's session. They looked at about 80 plays uh, roughing the passer, whether it was called or non-called. And the question was, did you like how this was officiated? And they looked at everything, hits to the head, the hits to the lower leg, which is also part of roughing the passer. And according to Troy Vinson, who is the executive vice president of football operations, only three of the 80 plays they looked at raised questions among the committee members about how it was officiated, where they had some questions about was this officiated the way we want it to be having said that i can tell you there is no appetite from the competition committee to make this a reviewable play the nfl's competition committee looked at 80 this is according to batista 80 instances of roughing the passer from last season and found that only three of those calls were questionable it took Twitter, I saw her post it, took Twitter 30 seconds to find six famous examples of bad roughing the passer calls. Not questionable calls, incorrect calls. It's like they didn't just go start looking, right? The Twitter film trolls, whatever you want to call them, that they, they didn't just start looking for bad. They went, Oh no, there was Chris Jones on Brady. There was uh, Nick Bosa on so it's like they had exact examples already queued up. They put videos in response saying, well, here's six. Took me two seconds to find them. If the NFL is not going to be honest, then why even looking at it? Oh, the roughing the passer? No, we, we only had three questionable calls out of 80 last year. No, you had you had significantly more than that. And I don't even know if I can take anything you say seriously from this point forward. The third quarterback rule has been proposed. Uh, basically, you can call this like the the Brock Purdy playing with an UCL injury rule, uh, which would have uh, allow teams to have a emergency third quarterback on the roster. I have a question for the NFL. Why limit it at three? Why not unlimited quarterbacks on the roster? Because we can all agree that game stunk, right? We waited all year for the NFC and AFC championship games. AFC championship game was a good one. The NFC championship game was a was a, the air being let out of the balloon. Just <laughs> because as soon as Brock Purdy got hurt and then Josh Johnson went in and he got hurt, it was over. So how about this? You can have as many quarterbacks as you want. But your first two are the only ones that can go like in and out meaning once the third quarterback plays the first two can't go back in and then once the fourth plays the third also can't go back in right because i don't want you just having a whole bunch of extra roster spots but if two guys have game ending injuries you can put in the third and if he has a game ending injury you can put in the fourth and fifth and sixth if you want to pay him you got 37 quarterbacks i don't care you want to pay him coach him teach him Whatever it takes so we don't have to to consider Christian McCaffrey used to be able to throw in Little League. Like, if we are in a game that matters, I want quarterbacks to play quarterback. Not Shanahan sitting on the sideline going, how many different ways can I scheme up a screen pass so Brock Purdy doesn't have to throw it more than five yards? 
oh, by the way, yeah, we're going up against one of the best defenses in the NFL, and uh, we weren't guaranteed to dominate this game even with a quarterback. Fourth and 15 instead of an onside kick is, is a rule being proposed. I agree it'll make it more exciting. Instead of an onside kick, you can face a fourth and 15 at your own 25. If you want to know what it looks like, they do it in the XFL. The only thing I want to make sure we don't do here is, is make an offense that is in the groove, play make it, take it. Like if you're the Chiefs and you're feeling it, right? And, and Andy Reid has 37 play calls to get 16 yards. And you have Patrick Mahomes taking the one play call that doesn't work and getting the 16 yards anyway. I don't want them to score, get it back, score, get it back, score, get it back. But you have to be trailing if you do that. In the, in the XFL, XFL. In the XFL, right. yes. Uh, would they I, not? Would I, that not well, be the... I, I don't know the details of it. Fair, All I know fair. is the 4th and 15 instead of an onside kick. Uh, I I don't want it to be lacrosse. Good point. Here we, again, if, if it's just when you're trailing by two scores and it's whatever, whatever, fine. That's very limited. I just don't want it to be lacrosse, and I want that to be... And if you've never watched a lacrosse game, if you have a good uh, uh, face-off person, you just keep scoring. It's it's ridiculous. I, I didn't watch any lacrosse for like most of my childhood. They didn't have it on the West Coast at the time. I was living in Hawaii. Came back, Maryland, big big lacrosse area. I was watching a game. They were down like six. All of a sudden, our our our, our face-off guy got going, and he he wasn't even passing it. He was just face-off win, run right down the middle, score. Face-off win, run right down. I was, this is the dumbest sport of all time. Guy went on to be the, uh, uh, what's it, Fogo? Anybody? Fogo? Face-off, get-off guy. So all he would do is face-off, then pass it, and, and run to the sideline at Navy. And in, in high school, apparently, if you have that guy, you're like, you're always five minutes away from scoring 10 consecutive points. I don't want it to be that. I don't want the lacrosse team to be watching the football team and saying, like, this is stupid. The way I was watching the lacrosse saying, this is foolish. Tim Donnelly Show, Priority Auto Sports Radio 94.1. Uh, we spoke earlier with Jason Fitz of, of Fitz and Harry about Anthony Richardson. He answered the question because I, because I asked him. Uh, but I need more people to talk about the likelihood or unlikelihood of Anthony Richardson hitting his ceiling. Because all the conversations I hear – or just about how high his ceiling is, but not about how likely he is or unlikely he is to get there. That's coming up next.